Hey everyone, you are listening to the Two Stewards Show. Actually, this is just the intro. This time, we wanted to go over some recent headlines on interest rates and population growth in Canada and try to break down what this means for real estate investors. I say we wanted to because what we actually talk about may vary slightly from our intentions. This, I blame on Mark. And thankfully, because this is an intro, Mark is not here for rebuttal. In any case, one thing we do see eye to eye on is that many current macroeconomic trends bode well for real estate investors over the long term. If real estate investing sounds good to you, but sky high interest rates are causing you to reconsider, remember that there is no better time to educate yourself, prepare for opportunities, and take action than when everyone else is fearful. If you have a different opinion, we'd love to hear it. You can send your feedback to hello at twostewards.ca. That's hello at twostewards.ca. And now, the show. Welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. That's assuming you're listening to previous episodes. Uh, I'm here with Mark. Hi. Hi, I'm Mark. And uh, my name is Brent. We're in studio today. We're down to one camera, which is good. And we were just talking uh, before, you need a wide angle lens. before recording about the beautiful new food pyramid that's come out. Oh, yeah. And uh, you had to hide your Coca-Cola behind the screen here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the food pyramid. There it is. <laughs> yeah, where is it? Zoom in on that thing. Yeah, if you're not watching this, um, let's just say you can be prepared to indulge yourself in some delicious... Um, cereal. Processed, yeah, cereal and sugary things and low-fat, um, no meat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, so that's your thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, like Cheerios ranked higher than beef. Yeah. Because like, they actually had like, a verbal that... uh, written list. Yeah, who sponsored it? Um, the maker of Cheerios. Okay. Like General Mills and <laughs> the FDA too, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he's not big into cows. <laughs> <laughs> Just the low-fat cows. Low-fat, low-protein. The lean, the lean cows. Well, we're coming into uh, lean times here, are we? I don't know, are With we? interest rates. Lean. That's what we want to talk yeah. about today. Some of the stuff in the news, um, interest rates that are just crazy. I guess they're not actually historically that crazy, but... No, payments are historically crazy. Yeah. Only because prices are Historic. historically crazy. <laughs> <laughs> when you triple your uh, interest rates... Well, I've had uh, like a lot of uh, feedback from clients, like investors who are like, yeah. man, I'm getting killed. Like, Yeah, same here. Wow. Like all over the place. I hear it from investors. I hear it also from uh, like our team, mortgage brokers, different uh, people like real estate agents, but also on the tenant side of things. So here's yeah. a good example. We <laughs> pulled this up on the screen. <laughs> Toronto, this is blog TO. So Toronto landlord tries to rent out three individual beds in the same room for $420 each. I'm assuming wow. that's $420 per month. Yes. Yeah. And if you can't see this picture, like it's literally just, it uh, looks like a bit of a jail cell with uh, three cots in it. <laughs> wow. Oh, there's a... There's a chair. Oh, two chairs. Two chairs. Yeah, two IKEA chairs and a desk. And that's what you get for four hundred and twenty dollars in Toronto. Probably not even three square meals a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, nothing else included. Actually, no. I think it it comes with utilities. Oh well, uh, that's a steal. That's a deal. Yeah. 
So that's one room for uh, 1260 bucks. So now not only do you have to share your uh, well, bathroom, yeah. kitchen, living room. Now you got to share your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. That's going too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've had, um, I mean, just in the past year anyways, we've had like a lot of students apply. Yeah. For, uh, for places in Hamilton here. And, Are these uh, international students? International students or like, I didn't get the full thing, full information, but like they're from another country um, and they're here either in school or working or a combination of the two because you can apparently now work full time while attending college and that's allowed, which is... Uh, Whereas before it wasn't allowed? No. Well, the, the idea for if you're a, coming here on a student visa is that you can't like work. you can work five hours or something a week, right? And then they upped it. And then I think they just got rid of that because they're like, we know, like, why pretend, guys? We know <laughs> that this is just like an entry program for uh, citizenship. Yeah, we know so. we need a boost to our economy. <laughs> yeah, we need more Uber drivers. <laughs> um, well, it is, it's kind of ridiculous because they're not, I don't know. We, we, we can talk about immigration and whether or not it actually provides a boost to the, uh, to the economy. I don't yeah. think it does per capita. Like in, in gross numbers, sure. But um, anyways, point is, uh, they're willing to do this, right? Especially if you come from a country where uh, there's higher population density, having two, three, four people in one bedroom, it's like whatever, right? Yeah. At least it's clean and safe and uh, the snow doesn't get in. Well, it's just a, <laughs> it's a sign of landlords trying to make the numbers work when you see three beds in one room for 420 bucks a month. So what is that? Twelve sixty. So that's yeah, fifteen grand a year. Well, how many rooms do you think he's got in that house <laughs> that he's doing the same thing yeah, with? Yeah, interesting. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that looked like a basement apartment, so it could be just like he had one room yeah. in his basement, or yeah, maybe he's got yeah. a whole bunch of rooms. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. I'm all about maximizing value, but that's um, that's a bit much. That's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although we've what have we heard for was it? Was it Western? London, I think, right? Yeah. Where they're getting some rooms. How much were they renting rooms for, student rooms? I don't even know. Uh, like 1200 bucks a month. Now, it was a nice, like, beautiful place, yeah. all done up. But still, 1200 bucks a month. Yeah. I can see that if you have, uh, like, your own bathroom. Yeah. Or, like, a shared bathroom. Yeah, I think they're all, like, like on suites and, yeah. you know, granite and all that jazz. But still. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're talking students here, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so what you mentioned some numbers uh, before we started the show. Yeah. About the number of, is it temporary foreign work or temporary <laughs> visa holders? Well, okay, population or? growth. So Q2, that's, okay. uh, what is that, end of June. Just overall year. population. Yeah, growth. so okay. Canada, okay, so first off, Canada hit 40 million people. Yay, Canada. Yeah. Happy birthday or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was June 16th, so just before the birthday. I don't know if the government was pushing hard to hit that before the birthday. No, maybe. Uh, good birthday present. But anyways, 40 million people. So I always still think, oh, maybe 30, 33, 35 million. But no, I'm we're still at under 30 million in yeah, my head. Okay. That's when I stopped maturing. <laughs> well, because I think we're about one tenth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's true, right? Yeah. Men, I don't know. For me, anyways, you always feel like yeah. you're in your 20s. 
Yeah. And, uh, or maybe younger. And you just check the population of Canada and then you just kind of think, all right, we're 30 million. Uh, it's true though. Like yeah. music, clothes, all that stuff. Just you look at like middle-aged guys and you know, lots yeah. of guys out there, well, older than middle-aged now, but lots of guys out there rocking the eighties, uh, eighties yeah. hair and <laughs> or mullets or whatever. Right. Cause you just at a certain point in time, you stop caring. And, uh, yeah. well, and I've it. always imagined Canada's population <laughs> is one tenth of the U S yes. So we have, you know, can't our U.S. has ten times as many people. Yeah, that means they have ten times as many smart people and dumb people. And the people are ten times smarter, like the smartest guy, maybe ten times smarter. Okay, and right. The dumbest guy is probably ten times dumber. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll buy anything. <laughs> but anyways, to break that down, so uh, of the forty million, one point two million of them came in the last year. So that's from like June twenty or twenty. Two, so 2022. Yeah. To June 2020. 1.2 million. Three. 1.2 million. I was still wrapping my head around the 1 million uh, for last last time. calendar year. Yeah. So now push but that that's forward. Ramped up. Yeah. So our our growth rates increased at 3.1 percent growth rate, and that's 3.1. six times higher than the U.S. So Canada is growing at a rate that's six times higher than the U.S. Wow. Wow. Is that sustainable? Uh, <laughs> uh, it could be if we had massive infrastructure investment. Yeah. Which. And, uh, and like for anybody listening, we're, you know, we, we, uh, we like macro economics. So kind of zooming out and looking at the big picture, which is why we're talking about that stuff. Because you're like, hey, this is supposed to be at real estate. But it affects real estate. That's why I like macroeconomics, because once you understand sort of the micro level stuff, like how to, you know, how to buy properties, how to have a rental, yeah. all that stuff, you want to look at the factors that are sort of out of your control, but maybe there's trends yeah. that you can ride or, or, or identify to either, yeah, to shape your, shape your thinking, right? And then, yeah. and so for us, things like interest rates and population growth, um, Those are, are key. Crit yeah, critical, especially in Canada, right? Population growth in the States may not be as critical. For some of the areas that I'm looking at, it is, but we're looking at sort of interstate migration, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's why we're talking about this stuff. If you're listening and you're like, hey, what is... Uh, well, I mean, I not, not everything is related, I guess, the food pyramid, but <laughs> 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 the other stuff has a very big effect on, on you know the direction we take as investors so yeah but well, yeah. yeah if uh so my thought is so why why do we have this kind of growth like it's is it that all of a sudden canada appears on everybody in the world's google search when they're looking at i want to move somewhere and the canada pops up and they're like hey you could live here because it's so affordable and so nice <laughs> and like you know we have um you know all these different beavers and lumberjack <laughs> do, shirts do stuff. we are there different are, species of beaver no i don't know we have at least <laughs> two in this country i don't know okay. um no two beavers but oh um, okay not yeah. two different types but anyways so what's attracting the people to canada right or is it the canadian government saying hey uh we need population growth and people aren't having children the our population is aging because of that and if we want to keep this economy going and support all of the things that the government supports, like yeah. healthcare and education and whatnot, we need to have people. 
and we need productive people. So we want to boost immigration. So they're actually targeting people. So I don't know the answer to that exactly, but I'm assuming it's more the latter because uh, I don't know how the Google algorithm, algorithm works. But Well, I look at it as, um, I don't know, like a room with a whole bunch of doors and lots of people in it. Yeah. And there's people are clamoring. So typically people from third world countries. Um, They're clamoring to get out. To get out. And then you've got a whole bunch of doors, which is different countries like the States, like Canada. So the U.S. could have the same population growth. Yeah. No problem. If they opened that door open more. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. all we've done. There, I don't think there's more demand necessarily other than colleges and universities recruiting abroad. Yeah. Which is that, you know, yeah, that's a whole other topic, um, which I, I think I've talked about before. Yeah, because for uh, them it's economic, terms. right? They need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I should uh, I should have pulled that up before. But some of the growth rates for small colleges, um, like just ridiculous. And we're in, not talking especially about. Especially in. Uh, like non-permanent in um, people from foreign countries. I mean, well, so like foreign my, students. Yeah. my point is this is, um, this is a whole industry unto itself, international students. Yeah. And it, like, it's not a good thing. I don't think for anybody yeah. other than the colleges or universities who are benefiting. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's well, cause colleges. Every student they get is like way more tuition. Oh yeah. Yeah. Three or four times as much. Right. So you can just, you know, there's rules on what you can charge for domestic tuition, but international is not, uh, yeah. not regulated like that. So um, there's foreign or there's recruiters. There's companies that will just go and recruit for colleges. And then I think that's what most colleges do is use like a third party. But some of them also will directly advertise. Um, so India is like a huge, huge market for, Can for Canadian education, which just saying that sounds wrong. But yeah. that, like, it's a fact. So when it's you're in fact. India, for example, and you're looking to get out, and yep. you're looking at all the doors, all the different options, and you see Canada is opening their doors wide open, and the path to get there is just easy. Yeah. You just choose Canada. Well, because yeah, and your cousin did it, and, yeah. and whoever before him, right? Like, word gets out. And then people are, they're advertising, and they're going to, like, smaller communities as well, right? It's not just the big cities, but they're going around. Yeah. Um, advertising and, and people are like putting the family farm up in Hawk to pay for these students to, to get out. And like, yeah, you can't blame them, right? Yeah. If they're in um, desperate circumstances or even if they just want to make things better for the family, yeah. then yeah, I mean, that's our parents did that, right? Yeah. And Canada's being welcoming and um, receiving them, giving them opportunity. Or they are, so except for they when say, they get here yeah. and they see, well, you can rent this bed for four hundred and twenty bucks a month. Yeah, right. We like, have, we have we got to the point where we're actually sharing beds? <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we've yeah. I, like I said, I've had applicants who, um, <clears throat> like, clearly they were going to be sharing beds. Yeah. Because there wasn't enough room for two beds in this room. Yeah. And you have like six people applying for a three bedroom. Yeah. You know, where are they going to sleep, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, whatever. That's up to them, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it is a bit of a, I mean, there, there's a sales pitch, right? Like Canada, land of opportunity, which, you know, I can agree with that to a large extent. Um, but come get this hairdressing uh, degree and like <laughs> not to put down hairdressing <laughs> but we don't need to recruit degree? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, I can't remember. Like aesthetics yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Right, like nothing wrong with that, but I don't think that's a good reason to uproot, to spend 40 grand in tuition or whatever it is halfway sell across the world. Sell your family farm. Yeah, sell the farm or mortgage it or whatever to send one of your kids over here to get that degree. Yeah. Right? Because it's not going to provide the kind of return that you're looking for. And I mean, like a lot of these people kind of know that as well. And I think, you know, I'm not privy to the recruiting process, but I'm sure part of it is like, look, guys, you just need to get in with a student visa for anything. Yeah. And then once you're there, it's much, much easier to actually get um, citizenship. System. Yeah. Right. Or to, to get permanent residency and then like figure out what you're going to do after that. And that's what we're seeing a lot of people do. Right. They'll, yeah. they'll enroll in these programs and, you know, eventually finish them, I guess, for. Yeah. But. You know, that begs the question, like, what value are they getting? Yeah. Like, they're paying a huge amount of tuition for something that they know they're not going to use, which is, I mean, uh, what we used to do, I guess, here. <laughs> Went to university for something I would never use, but it wasn't a huge amount of tuition either, though. It wasn't, yeah, it was wasn't life-changing for a family, right? And then the idea is you sponsor the rest of your family to, to bring them over here, so... Good for them for trying to do that, but yeah. we're, we're advertising this as a program. And so if you're bringing in, like just in purely economic terms. Yeah, I have the breakdown here of how many. So 60% of the 1.2 million was non-permanent residents. So that's the category you're talking about where, uh, here, where's, I don't have the actual thing on the screen, but. Oh, sorry. Um, so 730,000 people uh, and the, so if you're a non-permanent resident, you're basically, most of them are probably renters, right? Yeah. Um, so they're going to need a place to live. They're going to need a place to live quick and they're, they're not sure if they're going to be staying here. I mean, most of them are probably thinking about it or working towards it, uh, and hoping for that, but they're not going to be able to buy a house. No. Um, yeah. So that's 730,000 new renters in Canada in the 730,000. last, 730,000 in the last one year. So June to June. So if you think like 40% of them. That's just new, uh, not including like inside of our country, new people looking to rent or. Yeah, not like household formation. Or the other immigrants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 40% of those roughly will stay in or will land in Ontario anyways. Yeah. So that's what, like uh, 300,000-ish. Yeah. 300,000 new people just in the last year in Ontario. Majority of those are going to be in the GTA. Like, yeah, ridiculous. We're not yeah. building houses at, what did you say it was? 3.1%? <laughs> yeah, growth rate. Yeah, we're not building houses at six times the rate of the United States. No, we're or not, any of the other services that we yeah, need like to support. Yeah, like sewers, hospitals. Um, well, and the financial situation, which is kind of... We want to talk about the interest rates. Yeah. Are not making it easier. It's not stimulating anybody to go create housing right now. No. Right? No. It's it, housing starts have dropped. Yeah. It's absolutely like very difficult to buy a piece of land, build several housing units, rent them for what tenants are calling reasonable rents. Yeah. And make money or just cover your costs. So nobody's doing it. So yeah. you're not, you're making the problem you? worse. 
Yeah, and the government just... <laughs> is not doing anything to help, right? They're just making it worse because people are always like, "Oh, we need the government needs to step in, socialize housing, and and yeah. uh, all our problems will go away." Right? Yeah. Here's what the government's doing: they're just like adding fuel to the fire, just <laughs> dumping gasoline. Well, they have raised rates. Okay, so I uh, I just have a little uh, um, comment here from a tenant. So we we ha- we always post units. Um, for rent and uh, one one tenant was reaching out and so great sounds like a good option right PSW at the hospital uh, her boyfriend's a construction plumber worker so uh, both employed right both have like one's in the trades one works at the hospital like so you know relatively stable good jobs Um, and they say hey I'm, I'm very clean and organized couple okay so that's your tenant profile but they ask, okay, well, can, is the rent price negotiable? I said, wait, what rent are you looking for? And they stated a price that was $1,600, or no, sorry, $1,600. It was $600 lower than what we had it listed for. So like so, 25% or so. Yeah, so they thought, you know, a fair price, yeah. considering where they're coming from and what they're paying now to, you know, pay a bit more and go here. Um, a fair price would be $600 less than what, I need to make it work basically. Yeah. Right. And, uh, well, I say I can't, can't do that. Um, otherwise how to sell this house, yeah. like what do you think? Right. And then they say, well, okay, it's way too much for normal people to live. Um, how are we going to make these payments? Like we need to live a decent life too. Um, you know, they got lots of bills they need to eat. It's like, okay, very valid things. Right. Um, and she said, not all people can afford it. And then she made the comment that um, the renter should not have to cover all the bills and the mortgage for the landlord. And that's where I was kind of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she had a couple of things right. Yeah. Right? When I it's agree. Not accessible for normal people. Yeah. And it's it's too much. Like, yeah, you're right. But the sad, and the sad part is that they're both like gainfully employed. They're working. I presume they're you know, working hard and getting in the hours and yeah. making money, right? Yep. Like they're not just sitting around. Um, but yeah, and they, they, they think $1,600 was the rent amount. They yeah. think that would be a fair price to pay. And maybe three years ago, they would have been right. Yeah. Which is another symptom of like a sick economy. Yeah. That in three years, that price has gone up. Because like you see this so often, right? People who have been renting for a while and now they're looking at getting a new place. Like just the sticker shock. They're like, "What? Yeah, I can't believe the price." Because nobody, like, you don't pay attention to the price of rent generally. Yeah, right. Unless you're looking to rent something. Yeah. So when people start looking, they're just like, "But that's uh, if you compare like uh, Ontario versus Alberta, for example." Yeah. So Ontario's landlord tenant laws, uh, you can't you can't raise the rent by whatever you want. You, you basically very limited in yeah. how you can handle tenants. Right. Yep. So what that does to the rental market is every landlord, as soon as someone moves out, they have to raise it to yeah. meet their costs. Yep. Right. So if they have a variable rate mortgage and the interest rate just spiked, uh, over the last year and the tenant moves out, they're going to raise it up to whatever they need to keep the house. Well, probably plus a bit. Yeah, plus because a Because who knows what's going to happen next yeah, year. And if they need to maintain the house or do anything, right? Well, and like, I don't know if there's, uh, I haven't done this, but you could maybe put a number towards almost like insurance 
um, that you're going to get a bad tenant who's going to like ruin the place, right? Yeah. So maybe that's another hundred bucks a month just to cover the possibility. Yeah. Well, actually, you can get rent insurance too. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> there actually there probably is a very good number <laughs> that you could do that, right? Just look up whatever that rent insurance is. But when you're some rental services will do that. I think single key and yeah. um, some of these guys will give you rental insurance that if you have someone not pay the rent then they'll cover they'll cover it but that's at an additional cost yeah so i mean if everybody did that yeah that's another let's say 100 bucks a month but that's uh that's in an environment where rent is controlled right rent is controlled and the tenants are very well protected to yeah. the point that they all know but if you compare that to a jurisdiction like alberta yeah right and you can go through the states too yeah um but there uh there is no cap and you don't have to renew a lease so you can basically say no like you have to move out when your lease is expired yeah right so what that does to the rental market is uh, all the units are priced reasonably even right like they're fair yeah um you don't have this big disparity between some guy who's been locked into his unit for 15 years at a lease you know that's let's say it's a thousand bucks a month for a whole house yeah and now if he were to move, it'd be $3,000 for the same house. Like he's never going to move, right? So you have this no. big disparity yeah. between his neighbor who just moved in and is paying three grand, yeah. right? Um, whereas when you take away the controls, like they both be at 1500 So now you don't have this guy not paying enough, but you also don't have the people paying way too much. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side, you'll have um, people will say, like if there's no controls, then everybody would be paying three grand. Because yeah. landlords are greedy and, you know, this is the nature of capitalism and so forth, which, yeah. you know, well, we've I don't tried, agree with. We've tried to test uh, various prices. So if yeah. you post it, a post an ad low, you get a ton of people. If you yeah. post it way too high, you get no people. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Huh. Like, How that works. Yeah. Supply and demand. <laughs> <laughs> so at a, there, is a, there is a threshold there, right? Yeah. But I'm just saying if everybody does it. No, I'm not saying I agree with that point of view. That's that's the argue for rent yeah. control because otherwise nobody would be able to afford it. Well, guess what? We have rent control in some form yeah, and nobody, nobody can, can afford rent. Yeah. So I can't afford to rent in our houses. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, I know we were I was just we were talking about my wife and I interest rates the other day cuz you know, ours have gone up even on our personal place. We're just like, "Holy cow." But then we did the math for like what it would cost to rent our house, and it was still more than what we're paying yeah. in mortgage, right? Yeah. And maybe you know once you add like you mean like if home you repairs. were to be tenants, yeah, yeah, if we rented out the whole house because it's what could you got get? a basement unit and a yeah, and it would be yeah more than the mortgage. Um, I mean yeah, add insurance and like it probably works out even I guess in the end. But the point is, it's not like an out of touch number with reality. Yeah. Right. Rent follows naturally follows housing prices and, and interest rates as well. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, I agree with the, this person who applied, right. It's, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. And I agree with them too. I, you know, I, I'd love to be able to charge a fair, like, well, charge a fair market value for the house, but I'd love to be able to charge, uh, less obviously and accommodate some of these people. But, um, yeah, we cannot do that without selling the house and then we're not providing housing to anybody. So, um, yeah, that's what happens when rates go up 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're so, seeing people getting less house for yeah. the same amount of money or more, right? Instead of renting that whole house, well, now you can rent the upstairs. Yeah. For way more than the whole house. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think this last interest rate hike cycle has been so dramatic? Like what, uh, just, what led to that? What led to, like, what made the government... Yeah, like, why... why well, it's like, For somebody who's not really into macroeconomics and they see the rate go up every two months and they're like, okay, hey, this is strange. Like, what... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I was just looking at... Uh, like I read this to you earlier, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again. So I had, a, a, like, predictions are, are bad to... Um, <laughs> it's a bad business to make uh, make predictions, but I wrote so- I wrote something um, I don't know, last year, anyways, beginning of the year. So I said, "There's really two choices the government is faced with. Neither of them palatable: raise interest rates, tank the economy, and send debt payments through the roof, or let inflation run hot, making life miserable for low and middle income Canadians, but reducing the debt burden." I think it would be the second. So I figured they would probably just let inflation run high. So the government had two options. Pretty much. Yeah. To either just leave rates kind of where they were, you know, maybe raise them a little bit, but whatever, and just let inflation run hot, run its course, um, which is detrimental, especially for low and middle income Canadians, right? Yeah. Like, which we've seen. Because if inflation goes up, then all of the things that you need to live are more expensive, but all the people who already own assets benefit yeah the people who don't get yeah because the people who have assets are receiving increased income generally to offset for the the increased prices but people who are on either fixed income or just a regular income yeah um but don't uh, own something yeah they don't own something so the cost of gas the cost of groceries uh rent all these things goes uh, sky high and so that this is what the the government chose to raise rates because they're deathly afraid of in the optics of the optics not the actual reality and you know they were like you know hindsight is 2020 but they were far too late in raising interest rates you know if this is the path they wanted to go they should have done that much much sooner to tamp some of this inflation before it happened. And now I think they're behind the curve again, right? We're still yeah. raising. And every, every inflation slowing. is ostensibly coming down. Yeah. Um, so I think they're just like hitting too hard too late with that big hammer. Yeah. Um, but we know like in the long term that um, uh, raising rates is like, is not going to be able, is not uh, sustainable. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. For the government, because it affects their own payments on, and that's on why debt. you said it's the optics, right? Because they can say we're going to raise the rate, we're going to raise the rate, and the idea is that that will lower uh, inflation, which it does. Yeah. Well, one them just saying we're going to raise the rates should have an effect on it because like it would, consumer consumer behavior would change. It was like, oh, prices are, or rates are going up. We yeah. better not buy that thing. Yeah, let's not go on vacation. Let's yeah. not, let's eat Cheerios instead of steak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 Bringing it full circle. Yeah, that um, might lead to an uptick in healthcare expenditures, which would kind of, <laughs> this is just a mess. So here's, um, oops, wrong screen. Um Here's just a quick thing. Now, this is in the States, but, uh, I mean, really, the States 
economy, you know, notwithstanding our population growth, their economy still is much bigger than ours and yeah. determines what we're doing. So interest costs now exceed defense spending. And if you know anything about the states, they love to spend money on defense. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the one in Mexico there that they were building, <laughs> not right? Not that fence. Not that fence. <laughs> <laughs> but the army and stuff. Um, so, yeah, June 23, $852 billion in uh, interest costs. This, this is over 12 months. Uh, versus $751 billion of Defense Department uh, spending. And so, like, this is including war in Ukraine. Yeah. Right? Tons of spending they're doing there. So... But if you can't this, see this graph on the screen that Mark has, so like it's jumped up significantly. The interest costs have jumped up significantly in the last March 2021 interest costs were at $482 billion a year. So they have not quite doubled, but close. Because now um, what are they at now? Uh, $852 billion. So that's a year, two years, two and a bit years. So the interest years. costs, like the just cost, the interest costs, the cost Not, to pay interest on the U.S. debt, yeah, has doubled, yeah, or basically doubled. almost doubled, yeah, in two years, yeah, uh, and that's only only going up, right? They haven't been as aggressive with rate hikes as Bank of Canada has, yeah, um, but this is what we've been talking about, and there's, you know, I'm not the only one, and I didn't come up with this line of thinking, but that they, it's not sustainable to have interest rates so high for so long, right? And this is why I think it's all a bit of a game of cat and mouse or a game of chicken. Pick, yeah. your, pick your animal. <laughs> Tom <laughs> and like Jerry. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> um, that they, they just they can't keep interest rates this high because uh, they can't afford it. Yeah. Right? Um, and the, the reason also that I had kind of figured that they would let inflation run hot is because we had an example of this. I'm just going to try and find my, uh, try and find the uh, example I had um, in the 1940s. Okay. Right. So we had a, a similar situation where uh, debt to GDP was over 100%. And we're talking about the states here, but this was applicable to, to Canada as well. Um, and the way they kind of dealt with that was just to let inflation run very hot when you say debt to gdp just explain that for people because uh, yeah so the amount of debt that the country had in yeah. total um versus the amount of economic activity that yeah. was produced in the country for a year so that include you know gdp can be a little bit misleading because it includes government spending yeah which can really muddy things but it's it's at least a, a, a measurement. Okay, of that's some another kind. conversation. How GDP includes government spending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but basically, when you're over 100 percent debt to GDP, like that's bad. Yeah. Right. And so we had that in the 40s because of World War II. Tons of spending went into that. Um, but they, they, I think they like halved the debt in the 40s by letting inflation run very hot. Right. Now, the difference is they had a ton of growth as well, so wages kept up with that. People were having kids, people were starting businesses. Yeah, people were, there's a lot of immigration yeah. to the States. People right? were building houses. Yeah, yeah sprawling we're out. not seeing that now. Um, and they had wage inflation as well, which 
So if things cost more, that's okay. Wages went up. Yeah. Right. But it, it had the effect of devaluing. We've talked about this before, right? When you're like compound interest is great because your your savings go up, but debt is also compounded. So yeah. your debt will either increase by that rate or with inflation, it decreases in a compounding fashion, yeah. which is what happened with the. Um, yeah. Oh, so wait, you got uh, this chart here. up here. <laughs> yeah. Which is what happened there. So, I mean, there's a lot of. Yeah, a lot of stuff here. But if you look at Lynn Alden, great macroeconomic um, analyst, and she's, yeah, drawing a comparison. And she's the one that really um, got me thinking about the the analog between the 2020s and 1940s. A lot yeah. of people were talking about the 1970s with inflation, but completely different situation. 1940s is a much better comparison. So she said 1929 was like 2008, that crisis. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Huge crisis. Big financial crisis. Yeah, big liquidity injected into the system. And then the 40s are like the 20s because we have inflation, right? That's the big um, big comparison there. And like huge amounts of debt. Uh, and yeah, she's got U.S. debt as a percentage of GDP. And you see these generational banking crises. Um, and i got to get my glasses uh, my glasses. You have to out, describe this for people who aren't watching because uh, maybe you have to check this one out. Yeah, maybe this is so a bad example. Um, I, I guess suffice it to say that if we're looking for comparisons, we look at the 40s for yeah. kind of what happened now. But the difference is we don't have that growth potential really. Yeah. Right? Which, we're um, on a bit of a downward in terms of demographics. Yeah. And growth and population yeah. and and the reason is the extreme amount of uh well i mean yeah the extreme amount of debt i guess um which if they could sorry that's not the uh, that's not the difference but the, that's a similarity so if inflation were to run hot that debt could be decreased and it it it, it has in fact i had another chart here yeah, it somewhere it just seems like such a big game yeah. Like we're living inside of a big game that somebody is pulling strings on everybody else. I, I feel like that, <laughs> that shouldn't be how it, uh, how it is. Oh. Okay, here's, here's another one from uh, Dylan LeClaire. Um, so three years of inflation compounding at about 5.7% has gotten public debt slash GDP from 134% to 119%. So this has worked. Right? Yeah. Inflation being high at 5.7, not even super high, uh, has dropped public debt and GDP. Not because of like fiscal restraint or decreases in spending, but just that negative compounding effect. Right. The only way you're going to lower debt as a percentage of GDP is with persistent negative real yields, right? which is what happens when inflation is high. People are investing or actually losing money. So if you buy a U.S. Treasury bill at the end of you know, five years or three years or 10 years, you're actually coming out negative. You've lost money on that, which is what happened in the 40s. Yeah. So, and now interest which expense. Which is, those are, the treasury bills are like a secure investment. Yeah, the, that, the that, most, yeah. air quotes, the most secure thing you could invest in. Yeah, and what right? you're saying, when the most secure thing loses you money, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. And so, and his final comment now, interest expense is about to be a trillion dollars due to higher yields. So, we just saw how it was at 852 billion. It's, yeah, with rates going up, that'll increase to a trillion very soon. Um, yeah, this is the debt payments you're talking the about. The debt right? payments, yeah. 
So, That's and yeah, insane. you've got the chart with CPI and federal debt here, but like, uh, if you're not uh, watching, but the point is, um, rates have to go down because the, like the U S government, especially well in Canada too, right? Most of their tax receipts are going to be eaten up by interest payments. Yeah. Which means you can't spend money on other stuff. Yeah. Social security, veterans. So all of the, the things army. that people actually want and need. Yeah. Healthcare, education, yeah. army. So yeah. what do you do, right? You print more money. Yeah. Because everybody, there's an outcry from people. Yeah. And so, you know, I mentioned the blog post where, like, I was wrong. They increased uh, rates as opposed to letting inflation run high. But I still stand by that over the long term. In the short term, we've seen a pretty big bump in uh, just in the last year in rates. But I don't think it's sustainable. And we're going to see rates drop, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, lots more money into the system. Yeah, well, there's good reasons to expect them to drop, basically. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. So, like I said, um, making predictions is a terrible business. But there's a lot of very strong reasons for this to happen. And um, I guess the one thing just quickly on, on inflation is what the government is worried about, which is kind of kind of funny, but everybody's worried about um, wage inflation becoming sticky. So sticky just means it sticks around. Yeah. Right. And when you're talking about inflation, but they're worried about wage inflation. And I think um, in... So describe wage inflation for a minute. Well, that's when your wages Go are up. also inflating. Which is so, that, isn't that a good thing? You would think, but the problem is that really makes inflation cyclical. And right. it's like an ever-increasing, it's like a catch-22, right? Because if yeah. wages go up, then the price of goods has to go up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if uh, a loaf of bread goes from a dollar to a dollar fifty, and then my wages go up, well, the, the wages of the people making the bread also goes up. Yeah. Which means now bread goes to a dollar seventy five and then yeah. my wages have to go up to keep up with that, right? Yeah. Which is um so the government's like, we're gonna nip that in the bud. And I think this is the thing they were worried about was wage inflation, which if you're a wage earner, like you should be a little bit upset about, right? Because yeah. they're like, Well, whatever, the cost of cost of gas goods can and, go up, yeah, but, your wages. Go up <laughs> but not your wages. That's right. And that's essentially what they did was like they waited until inflation was like just roaring. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this too, right? If you believe the official inflation rates or not, which yeah. you don't, but if it's at least double what they post, yeah. we talked about that whole CPI yeah. basket, right? Yeah. Um, so they waited until it was out of control and then they're like, oh, wages are starting to go up. We better <laughs> do something about this. And that's another reason I think um, if, if inflation, uh, wage inflation is kind of stagnant, then they'll feel um, more confident to drop rates again. Yeah. And the, in the UK, I think somebody actually, I think it was the governor of the Bank of England, appealed to, to workers and to unions to like, don't call for wages to go up, guys, because this is bad for everybody. Yeah. Right. And this is like some rich dude. Like it's really <laughs> very ironic. Uh, uh, yeah. It's a bit of a game too, because statement. between countries, right? If one country does raise wages and the other one doesn't, then you got a bit of a competition going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then your exports are affected. Um, I think in the near term, um, so if, if consumers are out there and they expect uh, further hikes, right? Because we've just heard that, like, we just had another hike in July. Yeah. 
Um, and they kind of have this narrative like a few months ago where they were, oh, we're going to slow down. And now they've had two more increases and they're still talking a tough game, right? We're going to keep yeah. uh, the pressure on, right? Um, so what could happen is consumers uh, overreact, right? So they expect higher rates and then they're uh, just basically holding back on their spending, right? Yeah. Like we, we just said, you know, we're not going to be paying money for things that we don't need. We're going to try and conserve because we're expecting that the rates are going to go up even further. Yeah. So, but that has like a bit of a detrimental effect on the economy as well. Right. Cause now you're not buying things and the economy slows. Um, and it's kind of like this down roll, downward spiral. Right. Yeah. And that was my initial, uh, thought, right. You raise rates, you, yeah. Yeah, you, you just you kind of tank the economy, and that was the common thing. And then like we're usually, what happens? But, oh well. When what happens when it comes down like that is the government needs to step in and turn it back <laughs> around, right? So you have this big like we're on the high now, we got to go back down to the low, and then. But if you if like you said earlier, they're always overreacting, right? They're yeah. they're they're waiting too long, and then they overreact, and then the thing goes, and it's this pendulum that just seems to be swinging harder and harder. Um, well, you know, so and here's like a lot of people I talk to, they say, well, rates aren't going to change until something breaks, like until yeah. the government breaks something. Yeah. Right. And it's almost like they, they can't make a decision in confidence until they hit that far end of the spectrum where, you know, it's like, okay, we really messed this up. Yeah. We need to change really quick and they need a reason, right? They can't just say, okay, that's enough. Now we'll just do this. Yeah. They need like, okay, uh, we can't afford to pay for this. Uh, and people are really worried about that and they're really like you know crying out to the government for help okay now we'll change it well i mean it's yeah it's politics is a lot of yeah. it right which i mean they're politicians so that's to be expected but um a lot of it is just public sentiment right yeah. when people i think that's you know when things break fine but not everybody is in touch with every aspect of the economy so if something is broken yeah not everybody would know that just like rent if rent is out of control most people don't know that yeah until they start looking for somewhere to rent and they're like what yeah i can only get half as much for what i was paying before but so here's an interesting thought right if um interest costs are through the roof for government debt because of interest rates like what is what will the government have to do eventually it is in my opinion they're gonna have to print more money yeah they just to be able to rate. make those interest payments. Even if, so you're saying even if they do lower the rate, they still have to make the payments and they're still going to be... Well, no, I'm saying if rates are high, yeah. right? Because you have two, two right. common scenarios. Keep rates high, kill inflation, or keep rates low, let inflation run hot, and right? In both scenarios, the choice is to... Like the, the, the way to fix it is to print more money. Yeah. Right, either print more money to make it, to meet interest costs, or if you break something, well, now you have to bail out the economy yeah. and print more money. And that's like every time we've had a recession, like a bigger recession or a financial crisis, the response is flood the market with liquidity yeah. so that credit doesn't seize up, right? So that the <laughs> banks don't stop lending. I'm just thinking there's probably a lot of people out there listening going, if I had a money printer and I have a variable rate mortgage, <laughs> I would probably be printing that money too. Yeah, exactly. And right? that's, yeah, that's what the government has, a variable rate mortgage Yeah. in terms of, you know, securities yeah. that they uh, <laughs> have out there. Yeah, they're on a variable rate. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, that's that's actually I never thought of that. It's a good the analogy. rate goes up and they feel the pain and they want to yeah, they want to alleviate that pain. Yeah. And uh, the only lever they have is print more money. <laughs> which, well, because of the amount of debt that we have, there's yeah. not really another way to deal with it. Um, and uh, and then when you print more money, what happens? Well, what happens is asset inflation occurs. So, and this is again why we like real estate because the price of real estate will go up yeah um generally speaking right because the value of the money goes down yeah yeah so your house isn't more valuable but um (laughs) the dollars that it's denominated in are less valuable yeah right but then if wages are also uh lower then you come out ahead when you have that uh yeah that asset yeah we're gonna have to track this uh moving forward and maybe do more episodes following up on like more news as it comes out. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the rate, next rate announcement is, but um, the U.S. like we'll keep tabs on the U.S. and try yeah. and keep people informed on this. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a little more commentary on this, but uh, I mean, suffice it to say that rent's not going down anytime soon. Yeah, and uh, because even when rates go down, you know, rent may eventually follow down if there's a significant increase but a lot of landlords are going to be kind of shell-shocked and like i'm not dropping rates because what happens if they bump rates again well and typically landlords don't lower rent necessarily right unless there's a vacancy and they can't fill it yeah if it got to that point yeah so if rents went that far down that people are leaving their units because they could find cheaper rent elsewhere yeah then the landlord would be forced to lower the rent um, but that market dynamic we haven't seen, at least in this area, in a long time. No. And with the population growth <laughs> we talked what? about. <laughs> 1.2 million people <laughs> entering Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a mil- about a million last year. Last so, calendar year. Last ca- Yeah, 2022. So now we've seen year over year that, or month, like. Quarterly. Yeah, quarterly that has increased to 1.2 million. So that means there's a growth curve. So yeah. we could expect what 1.5 million 1.6 or 7 this calendar year yeah whatever so we've gone from like 240,000 probably seven five six seven years ago um as like you know a regular amount and we've seen that increase like almost exponentially yeah so to the point where we could expect uh, um, over one and a half million new people this year yeah and i mean the, so the, there is a goal right this century club or century initiative whatever it is which has a lot of ties to our current government um of increasing the population of canada to 100 million by the end of the century so by 2100 they want right. 100 million people here yeah so like just do the math and see how many people actually think we're ahead of the we curve should do the math on how many houses need to be built to accommodate that well that's as a real estate investor that's what you would need to look at right yeah and if you have a house like how can you um what we've seen right how can you subdivide that into smaller units to rent out because that is absolutely what's going to happen is you're gonna and just like look at europe right yeah it is the the norm to have a much smaller apartment like we can't predict what's going to happen with the interest rates and the economy over the next couple years but you can try and you might be wrong yeah. <laughs> I can't predict it, but um but we can look at these trends and um and make some assumptions that you know in t- 10 20 years from now 
there's going to be uh, basically no end to this housing crisis. Yeah. Um, if we continue doing what we're doing. Yep. Um, even if we reverse it and try to catch up, right? We just clamp down on uh, immigration and uh, especially these foreign students. And then we also start you know, investing heavily in um, labor and materials and start building houses. Yeah. Um, which also goes hand in hand with opening up land or finding a place to build the houses. Yeah. Um, or make like sardine cans. Yeah. For living accommodations, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, they're just super tall towers that are tiny. I mean, you've seen that with condos. If you look at this. It's a huge trend. Yeah. Condos have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, um, like mainly Toronto. That's what we're looking yeah. at. But uh, in the last 20 years, like it's, yeah, it's crazy how small they've gotten. Yeah, and now they're trying the to rent price. one bed for 420 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just did quick math. We have 77 years left till 2100. We have 40 million people, so that's 60 million to go. we need to add if they yeah. want to hit this goal. Yeah. So that's about 1.28 million people per year. So, yeah. you know, this is the current government's plan. Will future governments embrace that? I don't know. But yeah. uh, for the foreseeable future, massive, massive immigration. Yeah. All right. All that doomsday. Uh, <laughs> predictions for what is it a wednesday that we release these yeah that's right <laughs> happy wednesday <laughs> uh, um i yeah i guess the conclusion is you know if you have real estate keep it and uh especially if you've got some pain yeah right whatever now, right? you can do yeah because everybody has pain but whatever you can do to hold on to it right don't run out yeah. of cash um you know if you're i know a lot of people um funding mortgage payments that have gone up from their income or from another source yeah. because they're negative cash flow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you sell in this, this time, maybe you take a bit of a loss or a modest gain, but you know, the trends are in your favor if you hold on to it. So it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's a tough, tough reality, but at the same time, like we've been saying, real estate bodes very well for the long term. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, thank you for listening, folks. And uh, till the next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.